Mark chapter 9 in your Bibles. Caleb read some verses this morning. We'll work our way through those verses here during our preaching time this morning. Again, the Lord is uh, the Lord knows what we need. You realize that? The Lord knows what we need. And the song service this morning uh, leads right into the message and everything that we've been singing and hearing in song this morning. It leads right into the message this morning. The message this morning is a message on faith. The title of our time together is Finding Hope in a Hopeless Cause. Finding Hope in a Hopeless Cause. We'll read verses 22 through 24 of Mark 9 this morning. I won't read all that was read earlier, but we'll go back and make reference to them as we go forward. Verses 22 through 24. And oftentimes it cast him into the fire and the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father cried child out, the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Finding hope in the midst of the hopeless. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Father, would you bless the word this morning, your word, your living word. Lord, speak to our hearts and and I dare say that all of us, if we were transparent and open this morning, we would say there are struggles of life, there are issues of life. And Lord, there are times when all seems hopeless, but we thank you that we can come through your word and because of what you've accomplished for us at Calvary, because of your promises, Lord, we can find hope in the midst of the hopeless situation. So I pray that you would help us to do that today. Lift our spirits, Lord. Encourage our hearts. Help us to draw nigh into you by faith. And I pray that victories would be won today in this building. Those who are listening by way of live stream. Bless the preaching. Bless your word. Give life to us through your living word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, this morning our topic is the, in the scriptures is a topic on faith. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and as we see now, Jesus is just a few months literally from the cross, and he spent these two, two and a half years now pouring his self, pouring his life into the disciples, but even beyond that, he has been healing, and he's been casting out devils, he's been doing all sorts of miracles, and he's been performing just miraculous things. Things in the seeing, in the minds, and as people are watching, in the nation of Israel, he is the Messiah, and he's come to show this to be the case. But there's coming a time when Jesus would pass off the scene, at least physically, and be go to a cross, die, be buried, and raise again, but then he would ascend to heaven. Up to this point, everything has been by sight. Uh, they have walked with him, they have eaten with him, they have seen him, they have felt him, uh, they have heard him. Everything has been by sight. But Jesus, knowing that the day would come, then when sight would end, and now they would need to continue forward by faith. You know it hadn't changed for us. God says, we need to continue on by faith. We're saved by faith. 
And now after we are saved by faith, and the book of Galatians is an interesting book. You go back in the book of Galatians, and Paul's dealing with a bunch of people. It says, okay, now you've been saved by faith, but you've got to carry on with works. And God says, you're saved by faith. No, you need to carry on in faith, trusting, believing in God. And this is a lesson on faith. And as God is preparing his disciples for the day would come when he would no longer to be here. But they would need faith. Just like we do today. Faith is something that all of us need. A story is told of a little grandmother. Who first time on an airplane. She was flying across country over to California. To see her, her, uh, her children. Her grandchildren. And, and while they were flying on the airplane. Uh, it was one of those large four engine planes. And the pilot came across on the loudspeaker. And he said... Uh, We've lost one of our engines, but it's okay. We have an oil leak, but it's okay. And they were just out in the middle of the deserts, nothing to... Oh, you look down, you can see nothing but desert. And they said, we'll be okay. Uh, we have plenty of energy, plenty of power in the other engines. Everything's going to be okay. So there's really nothing to worry about. And just to calm your fears, the pilot said, uh, just as an extra added bonus... Um, we have with us today on the airplane four Baptist preachers. Just in case you're worried. We got, we got one engine down, but we got four Baptist preachers. Granny sitting there in that chair. And you know, first time on the plane, she thought on this for a few moments. And then she just blurted out and hollered at the, the, uh, the, the, the lady who was walking up and down the aisle, the stewardess. She said, I'd feel a lot better if I had four engines and, and no preachers rather than four preachers and three engines some of you will catch on to that in just a minute she didn't have a lot of faith in the preachers she had a whole lot more faith in those engines had a lot more faith in getting where she was going by the mechanics that was keeping that plane in the air more than the mechanics of some Baptist preachers Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Verse number 6 of Hebrews 11, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe, must believe that he is. Must believe what? That he is, that he is God, that he is able, that he's God. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Must believe that God is able and must believe that God will reward those who will believe in him, put their faith and trust in him. Daniel Webster said, faith puts God between us and our circumstances. I think that's well said. Puts God between us and our circumstances. How many have circumstances today? How many have issues, hardships, sorrows going on somewhere in our lives? How many need God to intervene? How do we allow Him to intervene? How does God intervene? How does God come between us and the circumstances? It's by the way of faith. Faith is the key that unlocks the door for God to enter in. In the circumstances, faith is the key that unlocks the door and enables God to enter in. Unbelief keeps the door locked. 
But faith opens the door. In our text this morning, Jesus is teaching a lesson on faith to his disciples. But not only to his disciples, but he's teaching us also. And I want us to see this morning that the absence of faith is what keeps us from the power of God. The absence of faith in our lives is what keeps us from the power of God in our lives. Unbelief fixates us upon the terribleness of our situation. We get fixated upon the the issues, the circumstances. Unbelief fixates us. And when this happens, we become fixated upon how awful things are. Then that is the door that allows fear to enter in. When we get fixated upon the issues, upon the problem in unbelief, fear is the next thing that enters in. But faith fixates us upon the power and the promises of God. Found in the Word of God. And when we see faith, when we come to faith, when we apply faith in that way, fear exits out and security enters in. Fear exits. Security comes. There's no security in unbelief, but there is security in faith. The problem is that we can, and I think this is common unto man, that we can know, we can understand what the Bible has to say. We can read the words of the Word of God, the, excuse me, the words of Christ Himself. We can quote these verses on faith. We can agree with Bible truth. But in unbelief, we fail to depend upon the reality of that truth. We know it. We can quote it. We can tell other people about it. But we fail, when the issues of life come, we fail to rely upon the reliability of the Word of God. We take matters into our own hands. We do it our way. It's like it was real there and it was real then... But it's not really my case. It worked there, but it won't work here. It won't work in my situation. Yeah, I know what the Bible says. I agree with it. I can quote some verses about it. But it was all fine and dandy there. But what about here? It didn't work any longer when it comes to my situation. It worked in the Bible, but it will not work now. I remind you. In Romans chapter number 4, Paul demonstrates the power of faith in the life of Abraham. The Bible says in Romans 4, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Understand, who against hope, this is a hopeless situation. I'm 100 years old. Sarah is 90 years old. It is hopeless. There is no way that we will ever have a seed that will bring forth a nation. But Abraham believed God and he believed against hope, the hopeless, and he believed in hope in God. That's faith. Abraham could have said, let's quit. This is no good. 
There's no value in this thing and following after this God. Let's just stop here. Let's give up. Let's quit. Let's stop going forward. He could have said that. But Abraham didn't stop believing God. He didn't stop there. He kept on believing God. And he fixed his hope in God. You see, he could have looked at his circumstances and said, This is all hopeless. But rather than allowing fear to come in, he says, No, I'm going to keep on trusting God. Why? Because God said so. Because God promised so. And he found his victory in the situation that seemed hopeless. You got any situations that seem hopeless? Do you need any victory in these kinds of things in your life? Abraham found victory in what seemed to be hopeless. Listen to Romans chapter 4 verses 20 and 21. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, that what God had promised, he was able to perform. He did not stagger at the promises of God, but he believed and he held on to the promises of God because God said so. And what God said so, he would be able to accomplish in the life of Abraham. And so many times we are staggering at our problems rather than standing upon the promises. We stagger at the problems. The problems come along, we just fall out. But what did God say about all this? Where does God fit into all this? Again, we can know all the truth, but does the truth no longer apply to us? And this is the lesson that Jesus is teaching these disciples, these people that are in his hearing that day. And I remind you, not only did Abraham believe God in a hopeless situation, and God came through. I remind you of Elijah. He believed God as he stood against those 400 prophets of Baal, and he called fire down from heaven. He believed God, and God brought and showed forth his power in a seemingly hopeless situation. The three Hebrew children believed God in a hopeless situation. The fire was heated up seven times. It was heated up so much so that those who would cast them into the furnace would die themselves. But they believed God in a seemingly hopeless situation. Guess what? God came through. Daniel was uh, facing a hopeless situation. Uh, not anybody or nobody ever gets thrown into a lion's den and lives the next day to talk about it. At least it never happened until Daniel came along. Daniel was facing a hopeless situation. He was thrown into a lion's den. The king comes back the next day. Oh, Daniel. And he was surprised, I believe, to hear Daniel say, All is well. Live on, king. Because I've been in here with the king of kings. In a hopeless situation. You think of old Job. Job was facing a hopeless situation, wasn't he? And one day... Messenger after messenger after messenger. They come along and said, all the camels are now gone. All the sheep are now gone. All your children are now gone. Everything's gone. Everything that you work for in life is all gone with just in a few minutes. 
Then the next day, Satan comes in. Satan takes his health. God allows Satan to take from him his health. It seemed like it was all it was all a hopeless situation. Even his wife comes to him and says, "Why don't you just curse God and die? It's hopeless." Then Job responds by saying, "Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation." The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. It seemed hopeless. But faith in Christ brings hope to hopeless situations. He always brings hope to the hopeless of issues in our lives. In our story before us, from Mark chapter 9, Jesus has been up on the mountaintop with Peter, James, and John. Uh, We noted that last week in the message of last Sunday morning. The transfiguration of Jesus. And there Jesus was transfigured before them. And while the three were up on the mountaintop with Jesus, the other nine are down in the valley. That time of transfiguration, Jesus just pulls back the the, the clouds of heaven. He opens up the glory of himself and he allows the disciples to see exactly who he is. And the word from heaven, God the Father says, This is my son, hear ye him. You see, it's about faith. It's about trusting in one who is trustworthy. And so all this had taken place, and and now they're coming back off of the mountain, and they're making their way back into the valley where these other nine disciples were. And let me say this, that any time... We are out of touch with Jesus. There's always going to be situations, there's going to be troubles that flare up that we are not going to know what to do with and we're not going to know how to handle. They're up on the mountaintop with Jesus. And these other nine are down in the valley. And guess what? Trouble flares up. Verse number 14, Jesus, Peter, James, and John have made their way down the mountain to where the other disciples are. And there's a multitude of people gathered. The scribes are questioning the other nine disciples. Look at verse number 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioning with them. Remind you, the scribes and Pharisees They've not given up. They're still dogging Jesus. Everywhere he goes, there they show up. They're dogging Jesus and they're dogging his followers and hoping to to find some way where they, they can find something that they might get on Jesus or get against him, some way to accuse him of some wrongdoing, some way to say, look, we told you he was a false teacher. We told you he was a false prophet. So here they're still dogging Jesus dogging his disciples. Verse number 15. When the multitude sees Jesus and the others come down towards them. The the entire crowd runs out to meet them. To where Jesus is. And straightway all the people when they beheld him. When they saw Jesus. Were greatly amazed. And running uh, running to him saluted him. And so they were amazed to see him. And, you know, they were dealing with the disciples. Now all of a sudden, here's Jesus. And so they run to where he is. And the scribes and Pharisees are there as well. In verse number 16, 
it's evident that the disciples were not holding up too well under the scrutiny, under the questioning of these scribes. So Jesus steps in and he asks, what question ye with them? And he asks the scribes, what question ye with them? Out of verse number 16. So certainly he could see that something was going on and Jesus knew full well that his disciples were struggling at this moment. So Jesus steps in. Interestingly enough, the the scribes don't answer. They're speechless. But the man in the crowd, he speaks up at this point in time. The man that's part of the crowd, and, and this is the situation that's going on, he speaks up. He says, verse number 17, and one of the multitude, uh, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a deaf, excuse me, a dumb spirit. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Here we have, and we're introduced to a hopeless case. A hopeless case. Here's a father. Many fathers in the place today. Whether it's a father or it's a mother. It's a parent. And he's distraught over his only son. Luke tells us this is his only son. He's distraught over his only son. Uh, his son is possessed with a devil. Matthew tells us he's sore vexed. The demon has stricken him with a dumb spirit. Uh, the, the demon has control over his speech. The boy can't even talk. We're not necessarily given his age, but he can't even talk. He can't even uh, make uh, sounds that would seem to be legible. He's affected his speech. Not only does he have a control over his speech, but he has control over his bodily functions. He leads him about. He teareth him, the Bible says, with uncontrolled uh, convulsions and fits. The boy... He foams from the mouth. He gnashes with his teeth. He pineth away. In other words, he's literally skin and bones. He can't eat and he can't sleep. We can't tell you the last time that he had a decent meal. He's skin and bones. Matthew says the demon throws him into the open fires. In that day, it would not have been uncommon to have open fires scattered everywhere. And when the, this young boy was walking by, the demon would take hold of his body and cast him into the fire. You can imagine, you ever inadvertently, not knowing, or just fell into a, a fire? Have something burn? Something catch onto your skin? No doubt this young boy was scarred. In places, maybe he had sores on him even. He would walk by a fire and the demon would throw him into the fire. If he were by a body of water, the demon would cast him into the water to seek to drown him. This was a a terrible situation. Luke tells us that in his account that the demon bruises him. And scarcely departs from him. 
So this young boy, this is something that's an ongoing situation. He scarcely departs. There's very little time for a good night's rest. Very little time when he's in the home that there's not turmoil, there's not drama going on. A few days of rest, more days of torment. The demon-possessed son is sore vexed. But, and he's in a terrible situation. It's a hopeless case. But can you imagine the father, the mother, the family? Even though the father and the rest of the family were not told, but we do know that the father was not possessed. And even though the father did not have the demon living within him, he and his family were living as though the demons were in them. And there was not a place that they could get away from. That they did not have to deal with the heartbreak. Certainly they were worn out. They were beaten down. It seemed like a hopeless situation. But most of all, out of all of this, there was a disappointment of hearing of one Jesus Christ who was going through the crowds and he was casting out demons. And maybe this father said, you know, I've heard of this one named Jesus. Maybe we could get him to him. Maybe we could get our demon-possessed son to Jesus. And so they hear where Jesus is and, and they make their way there. And there are the disciples. But Jesus and three of the disciples are gone upon the mountain. And the other three are there. And he brings his demon-possessed son to these nine disciples. And he brings, them, brings him and he says, can you do anything? Can you cast the demons out? But when they brought their demon-possessed son to these disciples, there was nothing that the disciples could do. I'm sorry. We can't help. The, the discouragement of living the life that he was living, but the disappointment now to come to this fate in his mind, in his heart, to say, this is it. It's hopeless. There's no other place to go. He says, I spake to, the, to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Oh, I believe maybe they tried, but they could not. There are two things going on here, I believe, in this passage. The son and the father are hopeless, and the disciples are helpless. Helpless. Here's a picture, I believe, of a sin-sick world today. The world in which we live, hopeless and helpless, without Christ, hopeless situations, helpless to do anything about it. Oh, there are people and there are institutions that seek to do something about things. The politician tries to legislate the hardships away. The educator tries to educate them away. The scientist tries to find answers in his laboratory to help them go away. The medical crowd, uh, they try medication. They medicate the hardships away. The philosopher, he tries to reason them away. The entertainer, he comes along and he, he tries to get us to forget our hardships. At least for a little while. The modern day religion of today says you just need to work harder and do better and then the hardships will go away. 
There's a hopeless and a helpless condition plaguing our world today, and it's called sin. And the wages of sin is death. No matter what man does to try to overcome it, to try to get rid of the hardships, it will not go away. It is a hopeless situation, and mankind is helpless to do anything about it in and of himself. This father says, we, I brought him to your disciples and, and, and said, can you do anything? Can you help? Can you cast him out? And they could not. But look how Jesus responds to this out of verse number 19. Jesus, and he answers them and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I suffer you bring him unto me? O faithless generation, here we see, I believe, a hurting Jesus. Now why was he hurting? He was hurting because he was seeing the hopeless and helpless condition of those that were before him. We see a hurting Jesus. He says, how long? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? O ye faithless generation. Jesus, in exasperation, here he's rebuking these men. The disciples, he's rebuking the scribes. He's rebuking the entire crowd. How long shall I continue to bear with you? It's as though Jesus is saying. How long shall you continue to remain in your unbelief? How many miracles would you need to see? How much longer do I need to go through this earth and casting out demons and healing and doing all these miraculous things? How many more will there need to be seen before you will believe? How much more the glory of God would you need to behold? When will you be persuaded that I am the great I am? When will you be persuaded that I am fully God yet come in flesh and blood? And with God all things are possible. When will you be persuaded? When would they put away their opposition and finally rest in Him? It's as though you can hear it in the words of Christ. He answereth and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? It's as though Jesus is rebuking them here before their eyes. They're in their unbelief. O faithless generation, He says, how long will you go on in unbelief? You say, preacher, we don't see Jesus though. Yes, we do. We see Jesus clearer than they saw him in that day. We see, we see him through the word. And God's written a perfect and a holy and, a, and a, a book that has not an error anywhere in it. No contradictions in this Bible. And we go on in unbelief. And God, I believe, says to us, how long shall I bear with you? How long, how much do you need to see? How much more can I tell you? And God rebukes us because of our unbelief. How long? How long will we continue to go on in unbelief against God? But I want you to notice 
God doesn't give up on us. Amen. Boy, aren't you glad for that? God doesn't give up on us. He says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. And here we find the grace and the mercy that's so undeserved. Grace that's greater than all my sin. Mercy beyond any degree. Here in this passage, I believe in verse number 20, we see the compassion of Christ. The compassion of Christ. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. In verse number 21, the compassion, I believe, out of this. And he, Jesus, asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. Understand, remember, Jesus never asks questions so that he may gain knowledge. Why did Jesus ask this question? I believe Jesus asks this question because he enters in to his heart. It's a time where Jesus empathizes and he enters into the hurt and the pain of another. The Bible tells us he was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Jesus literally bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. He took our sin to the cross. Imagine Jesus entering in. It could have been, oh, I know the situation. I don't need to hear any explanation. I don't need to hear anything from the Father. Just bring him here and let's get this done with. But Jesus doesn't do that. He allows the Father. To come before him and open up his heart. Because Jesus wants to hear. He empathizes. He enters in to the heartache. And God enters in to the heartache of his people. He knows where we are. He knows what we deal with. He knows the issues of sin. But he also understands the Issue of unbelief, which is a sin. We see the compassion of Christ. In verse number 22, the latter part, the cry of the Father. He says oftentimes, he tells him, the Father says in 22, oftentimes he casts him into the fire and the waters to destroy him. But he says this, notice the cry of the Father. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Here we see not the cry of faith, but the cry of doubt. The cry of the Father is a cry of doubt. Notice the, the word. It's a huge word, but it's a two-letter word. It's the word if. Out of verse number 22. But if thou canst do anything. If thou canst do anything, help us. The if here, the if is that the if of unbelief. It's rooted in unbelief. If, if. You know, I believe most people, many times, we seem to live in the realm of God that says this. If you're able, God. If you can, God. Would you do something? And as long as we cry out this way, 
if you're able. As long as we cry out to God this way, we'll never see the power of God come to bear in our lives. Because we're always saying, if you're able, God. I hear you and I know what they're saying about you. And I've read your word and I've seen the miracles and I've known all of these things. But if, you see, the doubt, it's rooted in unbelief. If God were only able to help me in my situation. Mine's too hard. Mine's too complicated. Mine's too impossible. But notice Jesus' response to the if of unbelief. It's found out of verse number 23. And Jesus said unto him. If thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. God answers the if of unbelief with the if of faith. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to those who will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus responds to the if of doubt with the if of faith. faith. The one is rooted in unbelief. The other is rooted in faith. Rooted in who Jesus is. What God is able to do. Rooted in faith. Please notice the difference between the two. The disciples could not cast him out. But verse number 23. The if of belief, of trust, of faith. In this if, all things are possible to him that believeth. Notice the difference please. The if of faith. The if of all possibilities. The if of all possibilities are rooted in faith in Jesus Christ. And in Him alone. One says, I don't think He can and I don't think He will. The other says, I know He can and I know He will. I know He can and I know He will. And He's even working now. Verse number 24. The Father now moves from a cry of doubt... To a cry of total dependence. This is where God wants us. Look at verse number 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out. And said, notice this, with tears. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He moved from a cry of doubt, if, to a cry of total dependence. Notice it's with tears that he does this. For the first time, I believe, for the first time, he heard the words of Christ. And for the first time, this father shed tears because of his unbelief. Shed tears because of his unbelief. The power and the resources of God have always been available. But I have failed to access them in my case of my son. If I had believed earlier, if I had trusted God earlier, maybe this wouldn't have happened or that wouldn't have happened. Or he wouldn't be at this age and be demon possessed. If I had believed God, if I had faith, and I believe that this is a father who's literally crying out with a broken heart. And I believe he's crying out my heart of repentance. A heart of repentance. God, you've tried to tell me. 
God, you've said it. And God, you are who you are. And Lord, I repent of my unbelief this morning. And I cry out to you. Tears of faith. Tears of conviction. Lord, I believe. But oh God, help my unbelief. It's a cry of total dependence. And so oftentimes, we're on the other side, the cry of doubt. And God says, where I need you to be and where I want you to be is the cry of total dependence. For I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Verse number 25, look what faith does. The command of total deliverance. The cry of total dependence. Verse number 25, the command of total deliverance. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying to him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was one dead as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And that's what faith does, folks. That's what the scriptures, that's where God is wanting us to be. You see, there's the command of total deliverance, but that command of deliverance only comes by way of Jesus Christ and his power when we put our total dependence upon him. The issues of life, oh, they get so hard and they get heavy. And we look at them, we say, what in the world am I going to do? And God is responding to us and saying, depend on me. Rest in me. Believe in me. Faith is the mechanism that brings God's unlimited power to bear against our overwhelming circumstances. It brings God's unlimited power to bear against and over our overwhelming circumstances. It's the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is our victory. It makes all things possible in Christ. In our Lord and Savior. What impossibilities are you facing this morning? As we close, what impossibilities are you facing this morning? What issues are so big and so large that we're looking at these and saying there's no way out? I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, when we come to that point, maybe that's a good thing. Because we can't do anything. But God says all things are possible through Him, only through belief. The impossibilities of our life. What is over the overwhelming issues of your life today? What sin has gripped you and has held you captive? And may I say it's, most of all, any sin is... Rooted in the sin of unbelief. What sin has held us captive? What's keeping us away from believing God? What fear has paralyzed you? Are you living in fear? There's a bomb in Gilead. For the sin sick unbelieving soul. That bomb is faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. In Him alone. Apply the balm of Gilead. Apply the balm of faith to your life, to your situation. 
Verses 28 and 29. I'll just mention it. Call of The command of total deliverance and the call to complete faith. The call to complete faith. Verses 28 and 29. When he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Oh, there's a whole subject there. Another topic for another sermon, for sure. But let me just say this. Jesus is moving them from a position of seeing to a position of faith. And so oftentimes we demand from God that we must see before we could ever have faith. And Jesus says, you'll not see until you have faith. But when you see, when you put your faith, when you put your trust, then you'll see. Then the power of God is brought to bear upon the overwhelming circumstances of life. That's the lesson that God's teaching them. And that's the lesson He wants us to get as well. How are we doing with it? Can I be transparent and say, there are many days I struggle with this lesson. The old flesh rears its head. Issues of the world get in the way. Jesus says, Just keep on trusting. You know what maybe we should do? We should do like this father. The cry of total dependency. Lord I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And so when the issues of unbelief come. After we believe. And we say Lord I believe. And then there's an issue of unbelief. That comes down our pathway. And we say in that circumstance. Lord I don't see it all yet. And I don't understand it all yet. But still I believe here. And we believe on that one. We're trusting God. A cry of total dependence. And then the other issue of unbelief comes along. And there's an issue that we don't know what to do with. We can't handle. And so how do we address that one? With the same way we addressed all the other ones. I believe. God help me in my unbelief. That's what we do. Day in and day out. This is where Christ wants us to be. And he's the rewarder of those That diligently seek Him. All things are possible. Spiritually. All things are possible in Christ. You need to be saved this morning. It starts with faith. Simple faith in Jesus Christ. Struggling with your Christian walk this morning. It continues on with faith. Would you start this morning. Put your faith in Jesus. Let's bow our hearts in a word of prayer.